Welcome to Coffee and Change. I'm Bill Kirst. As a business professional, a U.S. veteran, a lifelong learner, and an active listener, I help others navigate, understand, and adapt to our ever-changing workplace and world. As a third culture kid, I call many places home. Presently, Seattle is where I explore my creativity through the power of words and images. In this podcast, we journey with our guests, gaining knowledge and inspiration from their stories. Today's story comes from Donna Sobey, the CEO and founder of Check and Balance Business Solutions. With a background in business accounting and operations that spans 22 years, Donna shares her drive for lifelong learning and the vision she had to become an entrepreneur, all while chasing her dream for early retirement in the U.S. Virgin Islands. Check and Balance Business Solutions, uh, providing professional bookkeeping and managerial accounting services, as well as payroll and consultation. And, um, you know, I'm 41 years old. I live in Derry, New Hampshire. I've lived here for 20 years, grew up in Massachusetts, and um, finally realized my dream in this past year. Awesome. I'm excited to uh, dig in and hear about that dream in this past year. I think there's a lot of people that as we talked before, a lot of people in the quiet, in the stillness, in the solitude, in the staying home have started to realize that some of their dreams have bubbled up to the surface. Um, and so I'm, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that. But when you and I talked, um, Donna, last time, you you um, told me a little bit about um, what I call your origin story, a little bit of kind of like where all this started. So. Um, I'd love for you to start uh, start back there and kind of talk about how how you got started in this line of work and frankly how you built your own business and now you're at a place where you're closer to that achieving that dream than you than you ever thought. So let's start with kind of the origin story and then work our way forward. Okay, all right, sounds good. Um, so back when I was 15, I met my current husband, um, and you know we have the high school romance love story going on. And um, we became parents at a very young age. I got pregnant at 16. Um, and when my daughter was born, um, I was uh, almost 17. My husband was just about to turn 18. And um, obviously that threw um, a loop in the normal course of action that most people take. And um, during that pregnancy, we actually decided to both get our GEDs because we felt that it would be better to um, to be able to work, but also go to college at the same time and try to figure out that balance of what we want to do with our lives to be able to support our families going forward. Um, and back then, the, the, the dream was really to be um, a kindergarten teacher and have my own um, daycare slash preschool kindergarten type thing because I was just so in love with the 
process of raising a child, my daughter inspired me in so many ways. Um, and watching her learn and grow, I was just so um, into that whole process and I just loved it. So I started out going to school for that and um, eventually I got a job being a receptionist at a concrete cutting company in Massachusetts. And um, I was there for a few months and they needed somebody in the accounting department to do the accounts payable tasks. So basically just being a clerk who would enter in the different payable items um, and you know, process the check runs and things like that. And so I, I put my hand up in the air and said, I'd love to learn if you're willing to, um, if you're willing to teach me, I'm willing to learn. And so they gave me a shot. And, um, and so I, I learned on the job. I literally had never used a PC in my life. So I had no idea what Word or Excel or QuickBooks or any of it was. <laughs> so, um, so it was a learning curve for sure, but I picked it up fast. Um, I was very impressed with myself in that respect of being able to pick up on computer language so quickly and being able to just jump right in. Um, and so I picked up a lot of skills during that job, not just in accounts payable. I, I eventually worked my way into some of the accounts receivables and billing, and then also into the inventory piece. So I kept trying to poke my nose in and learn. I had a real um, attraction to learning and wanting to know more um, about that part of business, the accounting part, and how that function um, supports the business in so many ways. Um, so I, I continued to learn more on the job at that company, and eventually, um, it was almost two years that I was there, and then I um, went to a new company. I kind of hit a place where I wasn't going to go any further. They didn't have any other roles for me, pretty much is where I was. So I set out to see if I could find something the next step up, you know, like a, a junior staff accountant or something to that effect. And um, I found a job with a wholesale distributor of sports memorabilia and games. They did a lot of board games and trading cards and all those, um, you know, funny little items that you can buy like red socks or, or whatever sports team, um, Santa hats and all that stuff. So, um, I started there, I was the receptionist and, um, kind of went from there in terms of, again, learning more. I, I was the receptionist, but I was also hired to do some of the account counting clerk type stuff. And once I was in there and started to prove myself quickly, they started to give me more responsibility. So I worked more with inventory and in sales and um, getting the invoicing for the customers, collecting the sales tax and filing the sales tax um, and really learning how to um, how to translate all how it all translates and becomes the financial reports and what you do with that stuff. So I was there for almost six years and in that six year span, um, my skill set it it quadrupled or probably even more um, because I gained so much knowledge. Um, I worked directly with the controller of the company um, and she was like a mentor to me. She would always teach me things whenever I asked. She was never afraid to share information with me or provide me the opportunity to be able to continue um, expanding on my knowledge. Um, and it was great. Um, but then again, I, I kind of hit a place where I wasn't going to go any further. And I always had this drive. I always wanted to keep moving up. I never wanted to settle for just, you know, for just a, 
a position where I was somebody's second, you know, in line or, um, or an assistant. I wanted to be the one who had the assistant. So, um, so I, uh, started my search again and looked for that next step, that next level assistant controller or accounting manager level. And, um, and I kind of uh, found a couple different jobs in the construction industry. It was kind of around the time where um, the economy was starting to, to tank, <laughs> quite frankly, <laughs> lack of a better term. Um, so I had a couple different construction companies that I had worked for um, on the accounting manager level. And um, in between one of those jobs, I was doing some temp work because um, just my nature of always wanting to uh, to be doing instead of taking unemployment, I, I got a temp job and I worked for, um, this insurance company that sells insurance like with travel packages. And so while I was there, I, I decided I wanted to go back to school and I was 30 years old. Um, and, um, so that's, you know, a big thing to take on a mother or two by then I had already had my son. And so a mother or two working full time, um, and deciding to go back to school to get my accounting degree because I knew I wasn't going to keep moving up if I didn't, you know, eventually do that. So um, so I uh, decided to go back and get my bachelor's. And um, unfortunately, I had to start from the very beginning because none of my early childhood education credits transferred. Um, so I, I was starting over from scratch. Um, but it was it was fun in many ways because I had been in the industry um, at that point for, um, 10, 11 years, uh, I had a lot of, of the base knowledge that I needed. So even though I was in the base accounting, you know, intro to accounting classes, I knew what I was doing. Um, and one of my professors caught on very quick and pulled me aside after a class and said, you know, what are you doing here? <laughs> you obviously know what you're talking about. And I said, well, I have to take the class. They won't let me, you know, skip over it. So, um, so we had this great discussion and he said, you know, I have, I have a great idea. See me before the next class. So the next time we had class, I went in and talked to him a little bit and he's like, all right, this is what we're going to do. We're going to split the room because the class is having, they're struggling in this area. So I want you to take these students and I'm going to take these students and we're going to try to see if we can get them to, to understand. And I was excited. I, you know, I was like, wow, not only was I proud that I, uh, had been chosen to do such a thing, but you know, it, I've always enjoyed teaching others. So, um, so it was kind of cool. I guess that's why I wanted to be a early childhood educator, right? <laughs> so, um, so that was fun. And, and I had that professor for six other classes and every time I would walk in, he'd be like, Oh, you know, he'd, he'd be so happy to see me. And, and it was great. And, uh, he was such a great influence on me. Um, and, and during the course of my bachelor's degree, I, I started to see the dream of someday working for myself, having an accounting firm um, and commuting to my coffee pot instead of being stuck on the highway for an hour plus every day, <laughs> getting up super early and, and trying to get to work and, and then, you know, pounding out a 10 hour day and doing the same to get home. Um, it was starting to already wear on me <laughs> at that point. So, uh, so yeah, the dream was to do the, the, the bachelor's degree and then do um, the master's degree and then eventually get my CPA. And um, I never actually ended up getting the CPA license. I, I 
pushed through, got my bachelor's, went right into my master's. And after seven and a half years of school, decided I needed a break from tests and studying and all that stuff. So um, I graduated a few years ago with my master's in accounting. And, um, and then I had been able to move up further in the ranks of the accounting world, became a corporate controller uh, for a company, and then moved on to being a director of finance um, for a $100 million company. They were a construction company that uh, had projects up and down the East Coast. And um, it was great. I had finally reached that level that I had always thought I would be able to get to if I just kept working hard to get there. Um, but then I quickly realized that 16-hour days and weekends were... <laughs> not all as fancy and shiny as they were cracked up to be. Yeah, you know, the, 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 the title was great, the pay was great, but the stress and the, the amount of time that I was putting into it for somebody else to have all of the gains was kind of uh, not, not worth it anymore for me. So I said, you know, if I'm going to put this kind of effort into something, I want to do it for myself. So that's when I decided uh, to do that. Uh, January of last year, 2020, I decided to make this dream a reality. And although I didn't have my CPA, I wasn't looking to do taxes. So I said, you know, I don't need that. So I can continue to move forward and offer, um, you know, professional bookkeeping and then the managerial accounting level um, services for people who need it on a part-time level. Not everybody needs to have a full-time staff member, CEO, CFO rather, or a corporate controller. Sometimes they just need that fractionally. And sometimes people just need someone that can do the basic bookkeeping for them and, and do the bank reconciliations and that's all they need. So those are the services that I really started to um, decide to offer. And I, I originally was thinking of just income replacement. And I had, uh, I had a handful of of clients ready to go, which kind of pushed that for me to, to say, yeah, let's just do this. You're, you're going to be okay. You'll make it happen. You always do. So I, um, so I made the decision, I made the leap. And then, uh, not even two short months later, the world shut down. <laughs> so like many small businesses, I had to, uh, you know, take a step back and, and think about things and, and pivot and, and be able to adapt and overcome and I, t I took a while to do so. I kind of, um, I, I wanted to, I, I took it as a sign of, you know, take, take this time to, to really think about what you want this to be. Do you really just want income replacement or would you rather be the CEO that gets to build this business and run the, run the business and have other people who are doing the day to day? And that's what I ultimately realized that I actually want. I want to have a company that has a full staff with management and, um, you know, bookkeepers and payroll staff and, and the whole thing. And then I get to continue to work on business development and see this great thing continue to grow. And I'm trying to build it as virtually as possible. Um, because you know, the ultimate end game, my husband and I just recently decided that five years from now, we want to be living, uh, in the Virgin Islands and have a home there. So, um, we have some pretty, uh, hefty goals over the next five years in terms of paying down our debt and consolidating and purging our our possessions and figuring out where we're going to buy, how we're going to buy, and what we're going to do, um, while also maintaining some level of retirement plan at the same time and having some uh, 
some things in our pocket that can make sure that our retirement keeps going, you know, and, and is, is funded. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's the, the ultimate dream is to, is to get there. That's quite the journey. And as you're describing, um, I just have like flashes of House Centers International and the two of you on that show and in the, you know, in the Virgin Islands and looking at different um, houses. Um, I'd love to I'd love to jump back to a key theme that I heard that you hit on a, a lot during that journey, um, that personal journey, and that is this drive to learn. It seems like, and, and I'm extrapolating here, so keep me honest, it seems like you've always had this innate sense of self-learning, like drive to learn, as you, just, as you described, self-taught, you taught a lot of things yourself. Um, that actually led you to be almost the student becomes the teacher when you were in those courses. Um, and that allowed you to also hit on that, that sort of innate uh, skill that you had to, to actually be a teacher, as you talked about, you know, wanting to originally start off in early childhood development. You're essentially calling on the same empathy skills. So can you, can you elaborate on that sense of that drive to learn? Where do you think that came from for you? Yeah, I've asked myself that question many times. And I mean, I know that, you know, watching my parents as I grew up, you know, they always worked hard. My father would literally do whatever it took to make sure that we were taken care of. My mom worked the night shift. Uh, she was a nurse for 36 years and for 30 of those 36, she worked 11 at night to seven in the morning just so she could be there during the day for us. And she would have to sleep in shifts in order to get, you know, um, get done what she needed to get done to take care of the family. And then my dad, um, after the GM plant closed and he was no longer in the union, he had to, he had to completely pivot and he learned a whole new skill set in, in the glazing industry. But then he also took all kinds of side jobs and would always work, um, to make sure that we had what we needed and, and, and more. Um, and I think that drive for him came from not having you know, so I think with every generation, you know, with most families, you know, you try to do better than what you had. And I know that that's what he always wanted for us. And it's always been what I've wanted for my kids, too, and, and for myself. So even though my parents worked that hard, they didn't have a retirement plan. So I know that that's always been a drive for me. Of I don't want to have to be dependent on Social Security because God knows if it'll be there. Right. So I want to make sure that I have something. But then at the same time, I always wanted to make sure that I provided for my kids. And another piece of that drive, too, I think, was wanting to prove people wrong. When, you know, became a mom at 16 and I was not the ideal child. <laughs> you know, before I got pregnant, I, uh, I was quite a terror, probably, is how my parents would describe it. <laughs> you know, uh, I did not follow the rules. I did not, you know, I don't, I don't know how to explain it, but I, I definitely was not on the, the, the usual path of, you know, go to school, do the right thing, do your best, you know, and I know kids don't always do the right thing, but I was really not doing the right thing. <laughs> so, you know, people had a lot of doubt that we would make it, and they had a lot of doubt that um, we'd be able to survive, um, the way that we have and I think that that fueled that drive as well to um, just be determined to always uh, make sure that 
we could take care of ourselves and that we were being successful in our own right and that we could take care of our family and provide and have a great life. Yeah. I mean, I think it's so interesting when you, you, you talk about that aspect of, you know, there's, there's a little bit of like, I want to prove them wrong. Um, and I, and I, and I think it's fascinating to hear stories like that because I think in some way, this is just my own, my own theory that every one of us has, kind of this innate knowledge in us. And oftentimes we're, we're sometimes raised to doubt it, to sort of doubt the intuition that you have. And there's a lot of stuff that gets in the way, I believe, of, of us accessing that internal knowledge. One of the things that I think sometimes gets in the way of that is, um, you know, formal education, right? You talked about this in the aspect of, you went for you know your VA, you went for your master's, and then you were going for your CPA. But at the same time, I think it's really interesting because you, as you as you talked about, you knew all the skills in practice. You had been doing them in in corporations. You had been um, exercising them daily. So when you think about the things that you taught yourself, and you think about formal education and the systems. And then I'll throw on a third thing. And you think about the fact that we're in a pandemic and all of this is kind of up and changing right now. What are some of your thoughts on sort of learning by doing versus learning by theory or, or, or learning by the, with the way that we've traditionally consumed information? Ha, has it shifted from your point of view? Um, so, yeah, what I noticed um, in my own experience and learning on the job before I went into my formal education for accounting was that when I got to the formal education, none of it was real world examples. So a lot of what I saw, and I ended up having to bite my tongue a lot because some professors would get annoyed with me when I would say, but that's not how you really do it. (laughs) And so I would have to, you know, bite my tongue and be like, all right, let them just teach because they have to, they have to stick to the book. They're, they're holding up their end of the contract. Right. But, um, and I'm not discounting formal education at all because it definitely helped broaden my knowledge and it definitely gave me, um, you know, more tools in my toolbox to add, um, to be able to become even more successful and continue to work my way up the ranks and get to where I am today because, a lot of things that I did learn um, during those two degrees was how to run a business. And so I don't think if I had some of those things, um, it would be as easy for me to start this business. But I am a a true believer in in learning on the job and how it can be um, a a tremendous asset because, you know, you're, you're dealing with the real world. You're dealing with an actual... Um, you know, an actual transaction or an actual problem that you have to solve. And if you solve it one way, it could be detrimental to the company. But if you solve it another way, it can just, you know, make it grow leaps and bounds. So, um, and so in that respect, you have to strategically think about the process and you have to get other people's insight and you have to learn how to work with other people and know that you don't know enough and try to, you know, come to a, a resolution together and, and uh, really work through the problem. Um, so I think that they both are great, but I think the real world aspect of it has so much more to offer in terms of just the reality piece. Because like I said, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't always reality what was coming out of the book and what they were telling you.
Yeah, and I think it's one of the things that you that you open up there is like the ability to say I don't know to something while also learning at the at the same time. And I, and I think in some ways it's it's the minute that you reach a point of I don't know that you actually start to learn or, or you know as we say sometimes it's the point of failure that the the real learning starts to starts to take hold. So I would I would love to to zero in on the 2008 time frame because that's when as you described in in your your journey and many people remember the economy really started to shift down you know and 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 performed very poorly lots of people lost jobs so when you think about this aspect of what 2008 was for you um there's an aspect there that in some ways there was a lot of change for people um lost jobs you know, having to shift priorities. It also seems like that was a point when you said there was a pivot and you had, amidst all the, you know, adversity, you kind of had some of these glimmer moments of like, hey, uh, we're, I'm gonna do this differently going forward. Is that an accurate assessment? And if so, can you elaborate on, if you if you can recall, what was your mind mindset at that time? Yeah, um, so I, I really took it as an opportunity to say, you know, I never thought it was going to be so detrimental. I mean, it was it was bad. You know, the economy was bad. Things were bad for a lot of people, myself included. I mean, we went through some very hard times during that time. Um, and I took it as an opportunity once again to grow. And that's when I decided to, you know, get my education because I knew that nothing lasts forever. We will come out of this somehow. And you know, where do I want to be when we do come out of this? Am I going to be in the same place just waiting for something to happen? Or am I going to set myself up so when things do come back, I'm already ahead of the game and I have more to offer than I did before, whether it was a year ago, four years ago, whatever it was, however long it took. Um, And so that's why I really decided to go back and, and get my bachelor's degree and start the process of getting my formal education. There was a, there was a time when a lot of people were trying to figure out kind of what what is solid ground anymore, right? And I think about, and I, you know, I I don't want to oversimplify it, but I think about the the way of thinking that got us into the challenge in the first place, right? In two thousand eight, um, and without, without unpacking that whole thing, right? There's a lot of a lot of great books and, and and documentaries that people can go read on that, but I think about it also as where we're at today you know, in a pandemic, in a challenging economy, um, you know, just just this weekend, right? I think the U.S. passed over 500,000 deaths because of COVID. Like, there's this aspect of what got us here is the thinking that got us here, the systems that got us here are not the same things that will get us to where we want to be or out of this certain challenge. And I think back to some of the things you talked about yourself you also said you know back when you just had this very clear picture of i want to commute from the desk to the coffee pot not an hour and a half on a highway full of traffic uh, that keeps me away from the work and away from my family so you know this is reality now but you saw it before most people did (laughs) before the pandemic um as you said january of 2020 was when you kind of said, I'm going to do this thing. So you were about a month, month and a half, two months, depending on people's timeline, ahead of when this all came to a screeching halt. 
sitting here today, looking back at that decision that you made then, how does it, how does it feel to reflect on that? Well, today it feels good because I know that I made the right decision and I knew, I obviously knew that I could believe in myself enough to get here, right? I mean, if you'd talked to me the second week of March last year, <laughs> could be a totally different story because there were a few weeks of, oh my God, what did I do? <laughs> you know, but I mean, who, who's to say that, you know, had I gone back out and gotten another job working for, you know, another company, um, that I would have been employed the whole year, you know? So, I mean, you never know what's going to happen. All you know is what you make out of it. So, um, I'm, I'm glad that I paused and I decided where I wanted to go and how I wanted to change it. And I, I really did take some time. I mean, I didn't start working on this really hardcore until the end of August is when I, I started networking five days a week and I was doing, you know, meeting with clients and I built up that client base just from the end of August to today. Um, and now I'm at the point where I'm ready to, uh, uh, on a part-time level, but I'm ready to hire someone to, to start helping me. Um, and that's hopefully only going to continue to grow. I mean, that's the plan for this year, right? Even though we're still in a pandemic, what I'm noticing is that people that have that same drive and those that already had the drive and were able to pivot their business to adapt to this new world, um, they still need these other business to business services, right? So if they're growing and they're doing great, then I have something to offer. Um, and, you know, I have some pretty lofty goals for the next year that I want to two and a half times my revenue where I only have a few months of it from, from 2020, but I want to get to two and a half times because then I'll have two full-time employees by the end of the year. And hopefully I'll have office space to have those people come together every once in a while. We are a virtual business. That's what I want it to be. But I want to have a hub to have those, you know, employee meetings or have clients come in because there are local clients that want to see you, um, you know. So, um, so yeah, I, I just think that, you know, it, it's all what you what you make of it. And when I look back on it now, it, I wouldn't change it for the world because it's so great to just be able to work for myself. And yes, seven days a week. 12, 15, 16, whatever amount of days, I had to force myself to take a weekend off last week because I'm like, no, you need to just chill for one weekend. <laughs> take a break. It's okay. Um, but it's worth it. Um, it's a different type of stress than what I had before. And, and I, not that I welcome it, but I don't mind it as much. You know, um, it, it's a different, it's a good kind of stress in, in the sense that uh, business is going well. And I know it's because of, my drive and, and what I want this to be and how I'm not willing to settle um, for less. And, you know, yeah, I'm going to have failures and I'm going to hit road bumps along the way, but I'm not going to let anything sidetrack the end game, um, you know, of reaching that goal. Yeah. And I'm curious, like when, when January 2020 was there and you essentially took that leap, um, right? It, it's kind of like the, the, the great superhero story, right? The, the superhero essentially has to take the leap before they can really figure out what they can do or how they can soar or how far they can go. Did you, in that moment, which I, I know it can be a pretty scary, lonely moment when you take that leap, did you find yourself almost reflecting back to like, hey, I've taught myself all this stuff. I know this stuff. Like I've been in the trenches and I've been in, in the highs of it and I've taught people in formal classrooms alongside a professor. Did, did your mind go there or is it, is it not that 
is it not that ordered? Is it a little more erratic and sort of scary when, when you take that leap? It's a little bit of, yeah, it's a little bit of both. So I knew that I could do it because not only, you know, my, my background, my experience, my, uh, my education, but I had also dabbled on the side of helping people with their books on the side. My son went to a Montessori school when he was little and I did the books as a trade-off for, for tuition. And I would always help um, other nonprofits raise money. So I always, you know, I, I did some of the accounting on there. So I knew that I could do this to some degree. And that's when I first decided to just have it be income replacement and, and think that I would be perfectly fine with that. And I should know myself better because I always, as soon as I reach a goal, it's like, all right, next goal. What's the next one, right? Um, so um, I forgot where I was going with that. I'm sorry. And so, um, yeah, it's just, it, it, it was, it was I, I knew I knew how to do it. But at the same time, it's like, do, do you really know what you're doing? Are, <laughs> um, are you sure you want to do this? And I still have those moments, you know, to this day, you know, I'll be doing work and all of a sudden, or I'll be making a proposal and that little bit of doubt creeps in of, you know, can I do this? Do I know what I'm doing? Am I sure that this is, you know, the right thing or whatever? But I always come back to, yes, absolutely. I mean, look at what I get to do every day. I get to, you know, I get to actually watch the news and drink coffee before I have to go to work or, you know, <laughs> I get to snuggle with the puppy before I drop him off at daycare or I get to go to yoga in the middle of the day when I have some time or whatever it is. Um, it, it, and it's, it's what I wanted. So why would I, why would I doubt that, you know, but just like I said, it comes, you know, it comes with some, some fears, but you got to push those aside and, and keep your eye on the prize. Yeah. There's, there's something you mentioned that kind of sparked for me when you talked about the example of doing the books for the Montessori school and that being kind of an offset for some of the tuition. I'd love to just get your thoughts on this gig economy, right? We're in this gig economy. It's becoming more a thing than we've ever really realized. And I think it's because of the, the conditions of being in a pandemic. I'm also hearing a lot of people in small businesses, those that are starting up their own business or their own craft or their own creative endeavor, do these creative economy arrangements. So for example, you know, there's someone who might say, hey, um, I will, uh, you know, I, I will do the books for you if, if you know, I can get a sort of a discount here or it's really interesting because it almost goes back to the guilds right the days of like or, yeah bartering and so i'm curious as a small business you know as 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 a solopreneur essentially um working for yourself do you do you see more of that occurring in the micro economy um do you see more people kind of saying you know what maybe i don't want to put my <laughs> you know, I'll take it even further with the Bitcoin example, right? Maybe I don't want to put a whole bunch of my money into a an, into an institution like a bank. I'd rather actually have the bartering happen here so the power remains with those that are the creators and those that are the procurers. Any thoughts on that as you're as you're in kind of your new endeavor? I think yeah. yeah right, right, yeah. I mean I think it's a great idea and a great way to help each other grow, especially, you know, for the solopreneurs and and people that are really just starting out. Um, I was just saying the other day that I, I need to get a client that's a house cleaner so they can, <laughs> so I can work a deal there. <laughs> um, cause like that seems to be falling by the wayside lately, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a great way 
to help each other. And, and I totally would be open to it. Um, I have yet to have anybody approach me about it, but I have heard other people talk about how they've worked with others um, to try to do that kind of um, situation. And it's not always a, a full free trade, you know, but it, it works out to, to be a good balance for some people that, I've, uh, that I have talked to about it. Um, and it, it's just a good way to help each other grow. And I think it's a great way to, to lift each other up. And then if you have that, you're growing your network because then that person's talking about you to somebody else. And maybe they can bring you a client that's going to bring you more money than even if you charge both of us, who knows, you know, I mean, it, it all depends, but, um, but yeah, I think it's a great, a great thing. Absolutely. Yeah. I think there's going to be, it's going to be really interesting to see how it sort of shapes because you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer in the power of altruism, like, like you said, lift, lifting all up. And, um, you know, even in your example, right, if you if you knew someone at a yoga studio and you knew that they were starting their own business and you knew that they were growing quite quickly, well, you know, you might say, hey, you as a yoga instructor or as someone who's studying that may not get a lot of um, energy from doing your books <laughs> or being in QuickBooks. Allow me to do that for you so you can focus on your true your true skill and what gives you energy. Um, and then maybe they come to you and they say, I so appreciate this. Would you like to, you know, have five yoga sessions or, or the equivalent thereof? And that benefits you and it benefits them. And, and it really becomes this, this kind of opportunity for people to think about different ways of offering their, you know, services or their gifts to help other small business owners as well. I, I think, you know, it's, it's going to be something that we see more and more and more as people don't feel they have to go into sort of the big tower downtown to get business done. Um, there's more creative options here. So why the U.S. Virgin Islands? And tell me a little bit about or describe what that looks like to you and your husband and your family in five years time. So anybody who's ever been to St. John already knows what I'm talking about. So I'm talking to the people who don't know, right? So. My husband and I, when we got married, um, I was 19 when we got married and we went to St. Thomas for our honeymoon and we fell in love with St. Thomas. And then we took the ferry over to St. John for a day and we were like, oh, no, 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 St. John. Because St. John is roughly, I think it's like 80 or 85% national park. So one of the Rockefellers, not the Rockefeller, I, I forget if it was his son or someone in the family, owned the island and when he died, willed it to the National Park Service. So... It's, it's gorgeous, it's undeveloped. There's so many um, places that you can go and be alone. It's like, it's not touristy. I mean, yeah, the, the people come over from the cruise ships, but if you go over to the other side of the island um, to Coral Bay, it's just quiet and it's all the locals and it's just, it's very cool. Um, very laid back, um, very inviting place to be. Um, Plus, I'm just a summer person. I know I was born and raised in New England, but I hate the four seasons. You can keep them. I want summer. <laughs> I've been shoveling for 40 years. I'm done. Like, <laughs> so um, so when we when we went for our honeymoon, I mean, I remember turning to my husband then and saying, why don't we just have my parents pack up Kayla and put her on a plane and we never leave? Like, why can't we just stay? And he's like, no, no, no we can't do that. I'm like... Give me a reason why. I don't remember him giving me a good enough reason. But anyway, we went home. <laughs> and so um, we didn't make it back until our 10-year anniversary, where we went um, 
we went back to St. John this time and we stayed for a week at one of the campgrounds. And it was one of the coolest trips ever because we literally packed all of our camping gear and checked it all. So like we packed a cooler full of frozen food to get us through the week. Um, you know, everything that was non-perishable that we could freeze or whatever. Um, and then we ended up buying the small stuff while we were there. But we packed all of that. We packed pasta. We packed everything. And I remember the look on the guy's face who put my, my carry on through the x-ray machine. He's like, what? And he goes, he's like, I got to see what's in this bag. And he opens it up and he pulls out like rice and pasta and plasticware and all this stuff. He's like, where are you going? And I told him and he was like, oh, that's the coolest thing ever. So we get on, uh, on the plane and we get out there and, you know, we're, we're camping literally on the edge of the ocean in our tent. And again, we're like, why, why aren't we here all the time? And I'm like, I could live in this tent. I'd be totally fine <laughs> just staying here and never leaving. Um, and so then a couple years later, we brought the kids and the kids fell in love. Um, and then we brought them again a few years after that um, and camped again. Um, and the more we've gone the more we take home a piece of it with us and, and it just becomes a part of us. And so this past year, um, my husband was laid off for nine months and we were doing a lot of work around the house, but he started um, getting into the RV thing. We, we finally got a pop-up. We graduated from a tent to a pop-up trailer and his passion and uh, for, for RVing got uh, lit. And so he started watching all these different things and, um, uh, one of them was about, you know, how these people just followed their dream and they basically just sold their house and they've been living in their RV for the past six years going across the country. And out of nowhere, he comes to me and he's like, I've got a plan. Two years from now, we're out of here. We're moving to St. John. We're doing it. We got to just do it. Everything that I've been hearing is just do it, just do it. And I'm like, all right, well, Trey, our son, Trey, is still in college. Like, we can't, we got to wait for him to at least graduate college. Kid needs a place to come back to every once in a while, right? He needs a home base. So now the, the goal is five years. So we agreed on five years and we have smaller goals along the way to make sure that we actually get to that five-year goal because it is, it is far and the farther out you push it, the more likely it is it's not going to happen. So we have some, some steps along the way that we're trying to hit. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, we want to end up living there pretty much full time. We'll still have a base in New Hampshire because we have um, our grandson is here. Our daughter had, a, had a, uh, a baby last year and he'll be one soon. Um, and I just know the older he gets, the less we're going to want to be that far away. So, um, so we'll, we'll be semi snowbirds probably, um, coming back and forth. And so we'll have a home base in, in New England, but, uh, probably won't come back until it's warm out and then, and, <laughs> and stay down there while it's, while it's yucky and cold. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, that's, that's the, the ultimate goal is to, to hopefully have a house and, and a rental property as well to try to supplement the income um, with everything else that we have planned going on to, to make the dream a reality. That's great. Like, I just think the way that you describe it and you've definitely thought through it. You, you all have. And, and just the way that you've over the years, right, you've 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 grown that not only that awareness and that knowledge of the islands, but manifesting and seeing yourself there is is really is it's a part of that right like if you can see it you can do it that aspect of of the manifestation of it um one sort of last question for you or like a two-part question um obviously accounting is is a um a profession that has been around a really long time like a really long time you know as someone who is uh 
a, hist a student of history and the Medici's in Italy and all, you know, like I love all that aspect of accounting and finance that goes all the way back. Um, and it really hasn't changed all that much when you stop and think about it. But it's also very much an essential business and, and it's marked as an essential business. So as you think about like five years from now, St. John and really kind of living this this truly solopreneur, work from anywhere world, um, I think accounting is one of those professions that you could really do from anywhere, um, especially given you know the way that so much of commerce is now basically e-commerce. So, so I guess one last question for you would be, and I know it's a big one, so don't feel like you got to unpack it all, but like, what do you think this, or when you think about the changing aspects of how accounting will change in the future, or maybe it won't, right? Because it's been around a really long time and it hasn't changed all that much. Like, what do you, what excites you about the possible changes going forward in this profession that you've been doing for, you know, quite a while and um, building your own, building your own dream and life on? Yeah, so I think, um, I think it is going to become more virtual or easily um, accessible to be virtual because um, of all the technology that we have now with all these different apps and all these different clouds, cloud services and different cloud accounting softwares. Um, and I kind of have been a champion for it for quite a while, even though it's been slow in the making. I've, I've always said um, in, in different businesses that I've worked in, I've tried to make them see how even if we just cut down to four days a week of being in the office, how that one day a week of people working at home can save the business money, but also build an employee morale of letting them have a little bit more time at home, let them have a little bit more flexibility in their life, right? So, and, and like you said, accounting, it, it truly can be done anywhere. You don't have to be sitting in the office. We're trying to become a paperless world. And I know that people, you know, guffaw at that sometimes and say, yeah, paperless world, I'm buried in, in paper all the time. But I mean, I think as, as, as these apps continue to develop, and like I said, the cloud services and all these different things that we have available to us and how it continues to be um, innovated and growing and changing, um, I think the tools are only going to get better. Um, I don't see the basics of accounting changing, which I don't think is a bad thing, because I mean, if everything, you know, the whole grid went down tomorrow, you could just grab a green ledger piece of paper and keep going at it, right? And that was my, uh, my favorite part, actually, of getting my bachelor's and master's was they made us use those books a lot, even though we had to learn the, the, the computer stuff. Um, and I think that's a great skill to know, because then at least you're not losing sight of where your, uh, your finances are, <laughs> if things were to go that way, right? But um, but I truly think that this pandemic has helped in that way to help boost us forward in the knowledge of it's okay to not be, you know, chain, chain linked to a desk, so to speak, in an office space where you have to rent out 30,000 square feet for your, your 100 employees or whatever it is to just be sitting there at a desk when they could be at home, you know, at least part of that time. I understand the need to bring people together for meetings and, and to bring people together for different things, but the day-to-day -day can really be done from anywhere, as long as you have a good internet connection. And we're seeing that proven time, time and time again. So, um, so truly last question, where can people find out about you, learn about your business, go to find out more, maybe even reach out and say, hey, can, can you help me with, with my books a little bit here? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can find us on Facebook and on LinkedIn. Uh, we are Check and Balance Business Solutions. 
LLC on Facebook and on LinkedIn. And then um, the website is checkandbalancesolutions.com. And on there, you can see all of the services that we offer. And then a little bit more about myself, my background, 22-year career, and um, how to contact us. Awesome. Thank you so much, Donna, for joining for this discussion. It was great. And like now, now all, all I want to do is like put my toes in, in the sand somewhere. So thanks for the time and I appreciate, appreciate you sharing your story. Yeah, thank you.